If that doesn't get you excited about Christmas, I don't know what will. But you can be seated, guys. Um, I'm so excited about Christmas at Woodlands Church. God is up to amazing things. And I know that he wants to do something in your life. And we're in this series leading up to Christmas that I'm praying will prepare us to experience the most meaningful Christmas that you've ever had. That's my prayer. I mean, you can celebrate Christmas without ever experiencing Christmas. And I want us to prepare our hearts to not just celebrate Christmas, but also seize the blessings that God has for you this year. I don't want you to miss your Christmas miracle. I want you to unwrap that blessing that has your name on it that God wants to give you this Christmas. And to do that, we have to let the king of the manger rule in our lives. And the only way we'll be able to truly trust him to be the king of our heart is to realize he's the king who cares. The king of creation became the king in the manger so he could show us that he's the king who cares, the king of compassion. So let's pray right now because that king who cares, cares about every detail of your life. If you're worshiping with us online, the king cares about you. He knows what you're going through and he wants to meet your need today. If you're worshiping with us at Atascacita or right here in the Woodlands campus, wherever you are, God cares about you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love for us and I thank you that you did come to this earth at Christmas because you wanted us to really understand you so you could communicate with us how much you care, how much you love us. And so, Lord, I pray over the next few moments that you'd really speak to our hearts and just show us how from your word to really prepare our hearts to reach out and seize the miracle that you want to give us this Christmas. I know so many are hurting, Lord, and this is a time that brings up so much hurt. When everyone seems to be happy and you're hurting, Lord, you feel like you're all alone. So I pray that you would just meet the needs of everyone, Lord, today who feels like they're all alone because I know they're not alone because you care about them. Lord, just do all you want. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand in honor of God's word because I want us to look at Luke chapter 4. And here we see Jesus back in his hometown of Nazareth, and he comes into the synagogue to teach. And everyone is anxiously awaiting this hometown hero that they've heard about, that they're skeptical of, who's coming back, and he was going to speak in the synagogue. And the amazing thing is, the way they did it was whoever read from the scripture um, would just pick up where the person the Sabbath before had finished. And so Jesus was given the scripture, and it was on Isaiah 61, and it wasn't random. God had prepared that his son would be in that little synagogue that day, and that the scripture would be open to Isaiah 61. And so just look at it with me. The book of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. And he opened it to the place where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to announce that captives shall be released and the blind shall see, that the downtrodden shall be freed from their oppressors and that God is ready to give blessings to all who come to him. He closed the book and handed it back to the attendant and sat down while everyone in the synagogue gazed at him intently. Then he added, these scriptures came true today. 
You can be seated. Jesus was saying, this prophecy is about me. This is my purpose for coming into your broken world on the first Christmas. I came to bring good news to the poor and powerless. I came to heal the brokenhearted and restore broken lives and broken relationships, to set free those who are chained by their sin and their shame and their guilt and their fear. I came to give the hope of salvation to the hopeless, and it's for anyone and everyone who comes to me. Jesus said, this is my purpose. The king of creation came to show us that he's the king who cares. I said last week that creation shows us that God is powerful, but Christmas shows us that he cares. He's the king of compassion. And if you're a Christ follower, you need to understand that the king of compassion has commissioned you into his army of compassion. And Jesus' mission is supposed to be our mission. Now, when Jesus spoke these words in the synagogue in Nazareth that day, His message and his mission just flew in the face of everything that was going on in the culture of that day. I mean, it was just the opposite of what was happening in society all around him. The Roman Empire had conquered Israel, the Middle East, and the whole world of that day. And Roman culture, which came from Greek culture, involved the worship of a pantheon of gods. Gods with a little G, And all these gods rarely interacted with human beings, and when they did, it was really bad for the human because the gods were all about themselves and didn't care about human beings. And as a result, Roman society was very cruel. There's no value placed on human life. Children are often discarded and just thrown away. I mean, if you had a baby girl, but you wanted a boy to help you in the fields or to be an apprentice to your job, then you would just take that baby girl and put her on the trash heap, and no one cared. No one thought anything of it. If your kids weren't productive or you just got tired of them, then you would just leave them on the streets to beg. You see, there were thousands of street orphans, and no one thought anything of it. No one really noticed them or cared. The poor and the sick were treated as invisible, completely ignored. Those with leprosy were thrown out of town, forced into leper colonies because no one wanted to be near them. Women were treated as property, totally dehumanized. The whole society was based on survival of the strongest, and you just trample on everyone else. And that's what was going on when Jesus said, I didn't come to this earth at Christmas to set up a political kingdom of earthly power, even though I'm the king of creation and the king of the universe. Jesus humbled himself and came to earth to be the king of compassion, not to be served, but to serve others, to bring healing to those who are hurting. He spoke that message of compassion, and then he also modeled that message of compassion because he wanted us to get it. After Jesus told us why he came in Luke 4, he showed us why he came in Luke 8. You see, he shared with us, and then he showed it to us. So I want you to Look at Luke chapter eight, verse 43. It says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, 
came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This miracle shows Jesus Christ is the king who cares. Unlike the false gods of the Romans, we have a God who cares about us. And in that culture, this woman had three strikes against her. She was a woman, and the culture devalued women. She was poor, and the poor were totally ignored. She was sick, and the sick were outcasts who people avoided. This woman was considered worthless in that society, but not to Jesus. Jesus placed the value of heaven upon her because he's the king of the outcast and forgotten. He's the king of all the losers, and he's the king of all the lonely. He's the king of the worthless. He's the king of the poor and powerless. He's the king of the shattered and broken. He's the king of the desperate who are at their dead end. And this woman was totally at her dead end. For you see, she'd been struggling with an illness for 12 years. She'd gone from doctor to doctor to doctor, and none of them knew what to do. And she was labeled incurable. She was labeled no hope. And she'd spent all of her money on all these doctors, and her condition was just getting worse. She was broke, and she was broken. And she was facing a barrier she felt like she could never get beyond. Today, are you facing a barrier that you feel like you'll never get beyond? Are you going through something that you think you'll never get through? What is that hurt you feel like you'll never get over? Here's the great news. This miracle tells us it's when you've got nothing left that God can give you all you need. It's when you're at the place of no hope that you can find the only hope. So are you at the place where it feels like you got nothing left? I mean, you're just running on fumes. You got nothing left. You're at that place of surrender. It's at the place where you've got nothing left that God can give you all you need. You see, she had heard that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was gonna be coming through her town. And she had heard how it healed the sick and given hope to the hopeless. And suddenly, just a little bit of hope started to spring up within her. And she began to think just maybe just maybe I could be healed. And she started to place just a little bit of hope she had left on our only hope. You see, the woman was labeled incurable and she was destitute, but that wasn't the worst of it. Because of her bleeding, according to Jewish law, she was considered unclean. And everyone who touched her would be considered unclean. You see, everyone she touched would be unclean and everyone who touched her would be unclean. She was not allowed to come close to anyone because she was unclean. So she probably hadn't felt human touch for over 12 years. I mean, just imagine that. She hadn't felt an arm go around her shoulder and say, it's gonna be okay, I'm with you. She hadn't felt anyone hold her hand or give her an embrace of encouragement. She was totally rejected and excluded from connection. Now, I don't know what her greatest fear was, but I just imagine it was the fear of being alone for the rest of her life. The fear that she would never have anyone touch her again, of never having anyone hold her tight and tell her, it's gonna be okay. The fear of never being accepted into a family, of never having someone who really understood her and cared about her pain. And this fear of disconnection is a fear 
that we all have because you were made for connection, connection with God and others. That's why you were created. You were created for connection. And when we start to lose connection with someone that we love or someone important to us, it creates all kinds of fear. The fear that no one else really understands the burden I'm carrying. That no one on earth really understands the deep wounds that are in my heart. I mean, you can have friends and acquaintances and be all alone. You can be in a crowd and feel completely all alone. But I want you to know the king who cares says to you today, I came at Christmas so you'll never have to be alone. God understands, God knows. Maybe no one else understands what you're going through. Maybe no one else gets you. Maybe no one else cares about the deep hurts in your heart and you're afraid you're gonna go through life and you'll never find one person who really understands you. God understands you. God knows. God feels your pain even deeper than you do. You are not alone. Jesus would be passing by her village, but he wouldn't pass her by. And he won't pass you by if you reach out to him. You see, this woman just scraped together every last bit of hope and courage she had, and she shoved aside her fear. She shoved aside her shame, and she stepped into the crowd as Jesus passed by. And it was a crowd because wherever Jesus went, a crowd would develop. And sometimes the crowd got dangerous because it, it would be in these places where you couldn't fit the crowd. You'd be going through a city street. The crowd would just gather and the disciples would be really concerned. Everybody would be pressing in on Jesus. It, it would get a little dangerous. But this woman, you see, Jesus came to her town, but she had to reach out to Jesus. And I can imagine it took a lot of faith because just stepping into a crowd after all those years. Have you ever been in a crowd where you start feeling anxious and it seems like it might be getting a little dangerous? Chris and I got to go to the sixth game of the World Series to see the Astros win the World Series. And of course, we stayed to the end and we're just celebrating. This is the greatest thing ever. And then we thought, we better hurry out of here because this crowd is gonna be crazy. And so we started to hurry out. Then I said, wait a minute. I really want to get a world champion t-shirt because I know they're hot off the presses. So we stopped in one of the gift shops there and, and they, they, were all, they were closed and they said all the gift shops are just now closing. There's just one open and it's out on the street that you enter from the street into the Minute Maid Park huge gift shop and they are the ones that have all the World Series champion t-shirts right now to go, okay, let, let's try to get one. And so we walked all the way around Minute Maid Park to get there out on the street there and then right when we walked out, there was this huge line to go into that store, and it was five hours long, the line. And I said, honey, I'll just get a knockoff at Walmart in two weeks. This is nuts, you know? They'll have them at H-E-B. You know, what am I doing here? And so, but, but by that time, I mean, there were thousands out on the street, and I mean, we were just packed in. We couldn't move, and, and we didn't know what to do, and so I, I said, you know, let's just try to get out of here and break through somehow. We, and everybody go, hey, we're all trying to get out of here, dude. You know, you think you're special? You know, it's like, no, but I need to get out of here. You know, this is awful. And I would be, you know, just holding Chris and just protecting her because we were getting squeezed. There was no place to go. And I mean, I was going like this. And then you just stop, go like this and just stop. And I started to get anxious. Chris started to get anxious. And we were just crowded in. We will never get out of here. These people are staying and they're just celebrating. It got wild, you know. 
cars were honking their horns as they were just stuck there in the middle of the street. And then the whole place was just packed from the buildings to Minute Maid Park, just thousands of people. And they started going crazy and celebrating. There were people climbing the light poles. People were going high and they were getting high and they were celebrating. And, and we were right there in the middle of it. And we go, man, you know, maybe we should have stayed home and watched it on television. We were stuck there for like two hours just making our way. And when we finally broke free, it's like, ah, oh, praise God. Felt so good. Have you ever been in a crowd like that and you start getting anxious? It's like, man, I got to get out of here. But you can't. You can't move. You've been in a traffic jam like that. You get in a crowd and, I mean, this woman who hadn't had physical touch in over 12 years and she, in faith, says, Jesus is here, so I'm going to step out into that crowd I just imagine her tucking her chin in and pulling her cloak close to her, you know, kind of covering up her face to avoid being recognized. And she pushed her way through the crowd, probably just overwhelmed by the physical contact after not having any for over 12 years. And finally, she made it somehow to the front of the crowd, right behind Jesus, in an act of scandalous faith, without saying a word, she reached out and touched the hem of his cloak, and instantly, she was healed. Look at eight. Look at Luke chapter eight, verse 44 and 45. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. So she touches the king of compassion who shows us he's also the all-powerful king of the cosmos. He's the king of healing and immediately she experiences the healing power of Jesus and the overwhelming feeling of being pain-free for the first time in 12 years. But her heart must have stopped when Jesus suddenly stopped and he turned around and he said, who touched me? The crowd and even the disciples didn't realize a miracle had taken place in their midst. Only Jesus knew and the woman knew that the miracle happened. What an incredible king we have Without even a word being spoken, he knows and responds when one of his children reaches out to him in faith. In Psalm 139.4, it says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And maybe you're hurting so much that you can't put prayers into words. Jesus already knows your deepest hurts. Maybe you have no words left. You have no words left to say and no tears left to cry. It's okay. You can just reach out to the king of compassion because he already knows your deepest need and he has the power to meet it. Now, even though her bleeding had stopped, she would have still been considered unclean until she had undergone the elaborate washing ritual prescribed by Jewish law. But after she was healed, Jesus immediately called for the woman as if to say, there is never a time when you cannot approach me. You can never be too unclean to come to me. And is there an area of your life that you feel too unclean to come to Jesus, a sin, a struggle that you're too ashamed to bring into the light? And maybe you feel unworthy of a miracle this Christmas. Well, none of us deserve God's miracle of forgiveness and cleansing. And maybe the enemy is telling you today what the people told this woman, you're unclean, you're unclean. You need to hide your mess from God and everyone. And maybe you're feeling ashamed and you're filled with guilt because of your sins and struggles. Here's the good news. 
Just reach out and touch the king of grace and he will cleanse you, heal you, restore you, and make you whole again. Reach out to the king of forgiveness and then reach out to a trusted friend. Reach out to a pastor or one of our prayer team members and tell them the struggle. And they're not gonna say, oh, my, I'm shocked. No, they're gonna say, hey, we're all in it together. I'm so glad you told me and brought it into the light. I'm gonna pray for you. I wanna be there for you to help you to overcome. You see, after the woman reached out and received healing, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, everyone's touching you. Everyone is pressing in, trying to get close to you. Everyone's trying to get a piece of you. What do you mean? We're all touching you. But look at what Jesus said in Luke 8, 46. Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. You see, Jesus said, someone touched me. He was saying, someone reached out with a little bit of hope and found that I'm the only hope. Someone who felt weak just reached out and received my power. Someone who was losing the battle just reached out and took hold of victory. Someone who felt like they were at the end just reached out and found a new beginning. Someone who felt like no one cared reached out and found the king who cares, this king of compassion. You see, Jesus really knew who had touched him. And this woman knew that Jesus knew who had touched him. You know, he was all God, so he knew everything, and he just said, who touched me, because he wanted her to step forward. And I love the line in that passage. It says, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. I love that, it's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Seeing that she could not go unnoticed. Unnoticed by whom? She could have gone unnoticed that day by the crowd. They'd never noticed her. They had never cared about her problems and pain. She was invisible to them. But seeing that she could not go unnoticed, by who? Jesus. He noticed her when no one else did. Jesus noticed her, and you cannot go unnoticed by the king of compassion. Maybe no one else knows what you're going through. Maybe no one else understands. Jesus notices. He's the great noticer. He sees past the smile on your face, and he sees the wound in your heart, and he cares. And he's strong enough to carry that burden and to carry you along with it. The king of creation became the king in the manger, and who is the king of kings and lord of lords is the king of compassion. And those of us who have reached out and touched the king of compassion are to reach out and be his arms of compassion to bring healing to this hurting world. You see, the first century church followed the king of compassion's example, and they restored compassion in a compassionless society. It was a miracle. See, the only, the early church was just a small group of outcasts. They were persecuted by Roman emperor Nero, and they were just this small minority group. They had no political influence. They had no power. They had no platform to influence their society in any way other than a platform of compassion. And that's what they did. You see, the Christians would take in all the street orphans into their homes and basically adopt them. And people were like, why would you do that? That's just another mouth to feed. That makes no sense. And the Christians would go to the leper colonies and minister to them at risk of their own lives. And people would go, why would you do that? And everyone knew the safest place for a woman to be in the first century was married to a Christian man. 
because the Christians were the only ones who believed that all men and women are created in the image of God and men and women are equal in God's eyes and we need to value every single person. It was the Christians who just unleashed this platform of compassion and generosity of giving and serving to the least of these regardless of the result. And they would just unleash compassion and generosity and serving for people that were totally against them, people who persecuted them. It wasn't about anything other than following the king of compassion. They wanted everyone to know their king of compassion, Jesus Christ, but they were following him and obeying him, and they would say, the reason we do this is because of Jesus. He's changed our lives. We reached out and touched him, and he healed us and made us whole, and so we're to reach out to be his hands, to touch you with his healing and strength. They did that and it just boggled the minds of first century Romans. And it was amazing what happened because in just 300 years, this small group of Christ followers that had been persecuted changed the world of that day. The whole Roman Empire embraced Christianity in just 300 years. They went from this little band of outcasts that were persecuted to the whole Roman Empire embracing Christianity. And how did they do it? They didn't do it with their power and political clout. They didn't do it with the militia and an army that they'd raised to overthrow the Roman government. All they had was a platform of compassion. They just followed Jesus Christ and his mission and they unleashed this tidal wave of compassion that just swept through the world. A tidal wave of giving, a tidal wave of serving to the hurting and the hopeless and the whole world stood up and took notice. Why do we do what we do at Woodland Church? Why do we care about the poor and powerless? Why do we care about people on the other side of the world that are living on less than $5 a day? Why do we care? Why do we give millions to missions? Why do we do what we do? Because we're just obeying Jesus when he said, church, you're my body, so you're to be my hands of compassion to reach out to heal this hurting world with my power. We're to continue the purpose of the King of Compassion who has commissioned us into his army of compassion. And we're to do it for everyone regardless of the results. We want everyone to come to know our Jesus. But even if they reject him, we're gonna love on them. We're gonna minister to them. We wanna touch them with the arm and the hand of Jesus Christ. And that's why... So many of you are so excited about our Heart for the House offering that we do this every Christmas. At the end of the year, we give over and above our regular tithes and offerings to really make a difference for the kingdom of God, to raise up the poor and powerless, to raise up the next generation, to change the world. And so we're doing it again this year, and Chris and I are so excited about it. We've already given our gift over and above our regular tithes and offerings. And the reason, and our pastors are doing it, we, we are to be an example. And so I know so many of you have done this every year. It's been a tradition in your family. It's helped you focus on the Christ of Christmas. It's helped your kids realize that it's Jesus' birthday and he should get the best present while everyone else gets presents, and that's great. It's all about the giving of Christmas and how he gave to us. And so the reason we do this is first to help you put God first, to help us all put God first in the Christmas season, and to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings as a, as a sacrifice to show that we trust you, Lord. 
The second reason we do it is so that it builds our faith because when you give to God, even if it doesn't make sense, and you give to God, he always gives back to you more and it builds your faith in him that you can trust him, that his promises about giving are true. And the third reason we do it is to really have a heart for the body of Christ, the church, so that we can reach out and we can minister to more of the poor and powerless and raise them up and share Jesus and show Jesus so that we can increase our ministries and our missions in the coming year. You see, like all churches and nonprofits, um, we depend so much on year in giving. And so much comes in at the end of the year, a percentage of the annual ministry and missions budget. And that's what happens every year. And it really determines the ministries and missions we can do the next year. And so if we can give over and above, then we can do more ministry in these ministries that we're doing. We can make an even greater difference in our area and in the world. We can raise up even more of the poor and powerless, and that's what God calls us to do. If we give less, then we have to cut back, and that's just you know, the practical way it is. So it's, we do it because we love our church and the ministries and the missions of Woodland Church, but mainly because we wanna put God first. And so next weekend is the big offering, and so it's my last chance to really talk about it, and you can give today or any time before the end of the year this Heart for the House offering. And maybe some of you, you've never started a tithe, like so many the thousands in our church that do that. And you've never experienced God working in your finances to give back that first 10% to say, God, you're first in my life and I trust you. And so many of you have learned that principle and maybe you started small and you worked your way up and you got to tithing and then all the promises of tithing started coming through where God says, you cannot give me. I will meet your needs financially. I will meet your needs in ways that are even more important than that, peace and purpose and strengthen your family and, and really a family that puts God first. And so I'm praying for all of you guys and for all of us and challenging us to give over and above or maybe just start working your way up to tithing. And so next weekend, I wanna talk about the practical aspects of the offering. Next weekend, we'll give the offering. Our children are collecting change and their little boxes and they're gonna come in and give their offering so that it shows them that it's Jesus' birthday. Um, but you can give any time. And here's how you give to the Heart for the House offering. Uh, you can give cash or check to Woodlands Church. Um, you can also give credit card, debit card, or bank draft. And, and here's what you do. You go to wc.org slash give. Or you can just go to wc.org. All of you online, all of you in our campuses, just go to wc.org. You can go to our app, and you'll see a banner there, giving. You click on giving or Heart for the House, either one. And then you, there's a a category, Heart for the House, and you just click that. Or you can start just your regular giving, give one time or set up recurring giving so that it's first in your life. And then you click next, and then it gets you there in a secure site. And that's a great way to give. Just give online. And you can take out your smartphone right now. Another way to give is just to text the word GIVEWC to 77977. And you can give just on your smartphone. Doesn't matter how you give, but just give. For God's glory, and it's not the amount, it's the amount of sacrifice because God knows our hearts. And for some of you, giving $10 would be a sacrifice this year because you've had a tough year, and God sees your heart. Some of you, you'd have to give 100,000 for it to even be close to a sacrifice. 
And some of you, everybody else is going, man, I wish I was one of those few. And no, you don't, because God says, to whom much is given, much is required. And what's so interesting is, there have been studies on this, and that the more you make, then the less percentage you give. Now, why? I wonder why that is. I'll tell you why. Greed. Greed. You know, um, when I got an allowance of a dollar when I was a kid, I would give 10 cents back to God. My parents taught me that, the tithe. And, and then, you know, I'd make $50 mowing yards, and I would give $5 back. Then, you know, got those first jobs, and I'd learned to tithe, and I was so glad that I did. And it becomes a part of you when you really do that. And so I don't know what God calls you to give. You give because God calls you to, and you give what God tells you to. I'm sure Chris and I, he'll tell us to give more than the over and above our regular tithes that we've already given. He always does that. And um, I think that we ought to listen to him and just do what he says. Involve your family too. Hey, another way to give before the end of the year that's really important is to give stocks. And when you give stocks, we have a new stock uh, way to give, and it's just go to wc.org slash stock, and that uh, also helps you not to pay the taxes when you do it directly to the church. It's a secure site and a new way to do it, or you can call the church. But I just wanna share with you, Woodland Church of Compassion, a few of the things God did through you this year. I wanna celebrate what the King of Compassion did through this Church of Compassion this year. Over 250 people experiencing homelessness were impacted with clothes, food, temporary housing, and job assistance through our homeless ministry. Our anti-human trafficking ministry visits 65 sites in Houston monthly to minister to women and help them break free from being dehumanized. In India, we rescued over 50 women from human trafficking through our ministry, providing job training, job support, and also literacy programs. See, unfortunately, the vile sin of slavery is still with us. There are more people worldwide enslaved today than at any other time in history. Did you know that? Over 2,100 people were impacted by our foster care adoption and single parenting ministries. Did you know if every church in America did what you did, there would be no more orphans, no more abandoned children and teenagers. They would be adopted into families. And this year alone, You've impacted over 69,000 of the poor and powerless in five different countries with our food programs, in-school mentoring, sports ministries, leadership training, and job training. Over 1,000 farmers receive supplies and agricultural training in our farmers' field schools that are sustainable, and they continue to multiply. It started in Kenya, and now we've brought it to Haiti and India, and it provides jobs and farming it's amazing. It teaches them business principles. You Woodland Church planted 15 new churches in India this year alone. And over 100 pastors who minister in countries where Christians are persecuted were trained, encouraged, and ministered to through our persecuted church ministry and our missionary. You helped provide biblical mentoring to over 6,000 children and teenagers in Malawi, Kenya, and Honduras this year. And it's amazing because it's children of all different religions in these public schools, and our program of teaching character is all about Jesus Christ and his character. 
And you impacted millions more through our food programs, disaster relief, online and broadcast ministry, camp scholarships, addiction recovery, school supplies, Christmas gifts, counseling and mental health ministry. I go on and on. Did you see all those FedEx trucks out there? That's you, Woodland Church, providing Christmas for thousands of kids that wouldn't have had it. We connect through CPS, under-resourced neighborhoods. It's amazing. And thank, thank you, FedEx, for donating those trucks in this really busy time. You see... That's just one year of what God's done through you, and we believe God wants to do so much more. And that's why God has called us to Houston to start a new campus there, right next to the historic Fifth Ward, so we can come alongside those great pastors there and community leaders who've been doing so much over the years, and we can come along with resources, and we can come along with volunteers to minister to so many more people. You see, we reached the world, but we felt, you know, hey, we're skipping over the city of Houston. And so many people have been asking us to come to Houston for a long time. We have over 2,000 people on our database that come to Willens campuses or Atascacita campus uh, once every three or four months. And so it's gonna be an amazing thing that God is doing down there. And God's opened up this wonderful place in the East River development. The same people that developed the city center are coming, doing an East River development. And these guys love the Lord too, and they're, already ministering in the fifth ward and they want a church right there because a church that makes the difference in the community. We'll have people come from all over Houston to our campus, our Houston campus from the west side, from the heights, from the east side, all over the place. It's gonna be a multicultural church that looks like heaven and it's also going to be a church that's all about serving, 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 serving. We're gonna connect so many of you at Atascacita in the Woodlands out there to serve and to meet needs and just to humbly say, hey, how can we serve you? I want you to look at, y'all have the pictures, the renderings? Yeah, this is, it's about a $9 million project right there in the city of Houston on the east side. And it's a building that, that um, the East River Development has said, hey, you guys can take this building. It'll have to be gutted and redone, but this is the building, and they want us to be there, and we want to be there, and God worked it out, but it's going to cost about $9, $10 million to renovate this whole thing. It'll take, you know, maybe a year. We've, I don't know, I've heard that getting permits in the city of Houston and Harris County is a little different than Montgomery County. I'm not sure about that, but anyway, we'll find that out. And God will help us all along the way, but that's part of what we wanna do with the Heart for the House offering. Uh, we want to get started and already do ministry there all around the city of Houston, especially nestled against this historic Fifth Ward. And so God's up to great things. But I want you to see this last verse because Jesus said this in Luke six thirty-eight: give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, hey, give, and you're gonna get back more. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. God says, hey, get a big bucket, give, and I'll give you back a bigger bucket full. That's the way our God works. You see, folks, that's what we've been about that's what Willemster has been about ever since we started, being an army of compassion. And an army of compassion needs a base, and we have our campuses as bases, but that's not the church. The church is you going out in the community, being Jesus to people, reaching out and touching them with the love of Jesus Christ. 
That's what the church is all about. And I'm telling you, Woodland Church, we stand on the edge of greatness. This church stands on the edge of greatness. I believe that with all my heart. God's done great things. We could never earn or deserve through this church. But I'm telling you, it's like a new beginning at Woodland Church. That God has called us to risk in faith, to stretch in faith, to do more in faith, to reach the city of Houston and do more around the world, to make a difference. God has us on the edge of greatness, but we need to understand something. Greatness is all about descending into greatness. You descend into greatness by serving others and loving others and putting others ahead of yourself. You never ascend to greatness. Some of you are climbing the ladder, ascending, the ladder of success, and that's the way the world thinks greatness is achieved. Climbing the ladder, but they're gonna find out that when you get to the top, the ladder was up against the wrong wall, and it was the wrong way. You descend into greatness and God lifts you up. You descend by serving others, by reaching out to meet their needs and putting them above yourself, by putting your family above yourself, by putting others above yourself, by following the king of compassion who came at Christmas not to be served, but to serve. This church stands on the edge of greatness and God is gonna take us to do great things for his king. We're ordinary and perfect people, but that's all God has to work with people who just have the faith to reach out and touch him and put a little bit of faith, all of our little bit of faith in him. And then to step out, like he said, and obey him to reach out to others. And that's when we get blessed. You descend into greatness. Now let me say this. Jesus came to this woman's village. He was right there. He came to her. But She had to step out of her house and out of her comfort zone and get into that crowd and she had to reach out and touch the hem of his cloak because that was faith. And Jesus Christ is passing by. He comes to us. He came to us at Christmas as the king in the manger. But until you reach out to him and make him king of your heart, you'll never experience Christmas. You have to reach out to him and put the little bit of faith you have on him. And then if you're a Christ follower, if you want to experience the miracle of Christmas and you want God's blessing in your life, then you've got to obey him. And it takes you reaching out to others, reaching out in generosity and giving, reaching out and trusting and obeying him, reaching out and serving others, regardless of what they do back for you. We minister to atheists. We minister to people of other religions. We want them to know our Jesus. We want to show them our Jesus. But even if they spit in our face, we're still gonna reach out and meet needs and give resources because Jesus died for everyone. We wanna be like those early Christians, just this army of compassion that changes the world. And so have you reached out to Jesus? He's right there. Jesus is passing by, right where you are. Reach out to him, and if you have no words left to say and no tears left to cry, you reach out and you touch him with a little bit of faith you have. That's what this woman did, and her needs were met. Because we have a king who cares. And then if you're a Christ follower, and you've been holding your arms in, and you've been in your comfort zone, you step out of your comfort zone, and you trust God, you obey him. And that's what the Heart for the House offering is all about. It's all about us 
learning how to put God first so we can receive the blessings that he has for us so that we can experience that he cares about us, even our finances, the things that we deal with on a daily basis, he cares. And so you reach out and you reach out, you give and you serve and you make a difference, you put others ahead of yourself. And by the way, we have our membership class today at one o'clock. It's right here, the Wilderness Campus, the Atascacita Campus. We have a lot of people coming to join today. That's how you joined Wilderness Church. And if you join Wilderness Church, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna be challenged. You'll, we will always challenge you. This is the greatest, most fun place to be, but it's also the most challenging place to be because we'll challenge you to do what? Just to follow Jesus, just to follow Jesus. Not about religion, it's about a relationship with Jesus and following him and experiencing the blessings of following Jesus Christ. And when you join this church, you're joining an army of compassion. I want you to know that. It's not about what we do in the building, it's about what we do outside the building. To touch people with the love of Jesus Christ. I want us to pray. Dear God, I thank you for your love for us. And I just pray right now for those who've never reached out, you're here. You're right there. You know their hearts, their needs, their wounds. You know their sins and struggles. But Lord, I pray you just help them reach out to you in faith and pray this prayer in the silence of their heart. Jesus Christ, I need you. I reach out to touch you. With a little bit of faith I have, I place it on you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me and make me whole. Come into my life with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. I accept your free gift of salvation in heaven one day. Thank you for saving me. Help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I pray for every one of us who are believers that you would just help us this Christmas just pray and obey and see the blessings that you have for us. That you'd break us free from all of our fears so that we could just place the little bit of faith we have in you and reach out and touch you and then reach out and touch others through our giving and our serving so we can experience, Lord, the miracle that you want to give us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Well, we're going to take our offering right now. And so our ushers are going to come. You can give your regular offerings today or your Heart for the House offering. You can give in so many ways. But as we give, I've got a few announcements. Praise God for the thousands of gifts that we're going to be driving out to people today that are going to get Christmas that wouldn't have had it. Praise God, Will and Church. And the Festival of Lights continues this week. Tonight we're having it, and it just goes on, you know, and uh, through the week, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and we do that for one reason, to bring people, make it easier for you to invite people to come on our campus, and then we give them a little invitation to Christmas Eve. That's the whole purpose of it, to bring a light to the community, and then something fun for the kids, but then also to invite them to Christmas Eve. This Christmas Eve service I'm so excited about. We've been planning it praying for it. It's so creative, but yet it's all about Jesus Christ. And you get a friend here. I mean, tell you get a friend here, and I believe God can get hold of their life and change them, and it can change generations. And so invite a friend. It's the easiest thing to do is invite a friend to Christmas. We've got those little cards you can give to your friends, neighbors, relatives. Invite them to Christmas Eve, and it all starts December 22nd. Did you know Christmas is two weeks from today? Is that right? I, I, is that right? That can't be. It's caught, it caught up with me pretty quickly. Two weeks from it, but it starts December 22nd, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and then Friday night, 7 o'clock, 
Um, and then it's on Christmas Eve, it's 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11. And Christmas Day, we have a special service. It's different from our creative Christmas Eve service. It's at 10 o'clock. It's gonna be a really cool Christmas service. And so that's just at the Woodlands campus. Tascacita, they got all these services. We got all these online services. All the broadcast ministry is gonna go out, um, I think on uh, KHOU and Christmas Eve, all kinds of ways to reach people. But you bring someone and then you serve. That's the way to really experience Christmas. Serve at a service and bring someone because we got over 40,000 people who'll be coming through these doors Christmas Eve services, and we need every one of you who are regular attenders to serve. Serve a service, maybe in the children's ministry, um, maybe driving people in those carts out there, maybe just welcoming people. We have all kinds of serving opportunities we need you in. If you have the gift of breathing, then you qualify. And we need you Christmas Eve. So you can sign up online and invite friends. Let's stand together and let's just thank the Lord because he makes a way for us where there seems to be no way. The King of Compassion cares about what you're going through. You're in a crowd right now, but I'm telling you, you're not alone. Christ is right there and he knows what you need. You keep pouring your heart out to him, reaching out to him. And this church gets you. We're all, we all have a hurt. We all carry wounds. We all have brokenness, but we go to the one who makes a way for us, who came at Christmas, the King in the manger, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the King who cares about you. Let's sing about him. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.